You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership. Hello and welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. I'm your host, David Frizzell, and you are about to hear from a really cool young lady. Kaylee Chu set herself a goal to have lunch with a hundred strangers in a year. Now, as a raving introvert, that makes me tired just to say it out loud, but Kaylee actually did it. Why did she do it? What did she learn about herself in the process? Who was her favourite? What number stranger is she up to now? Are there any weirdos? I just have so many questions for her, so let's get straight into it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Kaylee Chu. Kaylee Chu, welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. Hello, David. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Hey, it's really nice to join, for to be chatting with you tonight, Kaylee, but I'm very well aware that you're not the first conversation I've had over the last little while. Not only have you written this fabulous book, Lunch with a Hundred Strangers or A Hundred Lunches with Strangers, I've also seen quite a bit of you in the media everywhere. So you've got quite a little bit of publicity out of this idea, haven't you? Yeah, I still don't know what happened, to be honest. Everything just comes so quickly, but I'm enjoying the ride and yeah. (laughs) Is it still coming thick and fast? Is there still a lot happening because of the concept in your book? Yeah, like when I first started, it was just purely a personal challenge, a new year resolution. So I have no plan to write a book. I accidentally wrote a book. And then after that, I fell into the speaking industry and became a public speaker. <laughs> and now, I don't know, I think started with ABC, they picked up the story. And since then, other media asked me for interviews and stuff and just, yeah. Well, and I, I can see why it's so popular because it's such a simple concept, but it's a really interesting one. It's kind of intriguing as a, I've described myself as a flaming introvert before, and I am an introvert. I'm I'm fine to chat with people and, and I, I'm happy to do it, but it drains me of energy. So, and of course, speaking with strangers is the most energy sapping thing of all. So, when I heard about this concept of a hundred lunches with strangers, it kind of made me feel exhausted just to think about it. Where do you sit, do you think, on that introversion, extroversion spectrum? When I first started, the whole idea actually terrifies me. But then I. <laughs> sort of thought like you know I gotta do something because I couldn't live like that anymore I was just way too shy and lack confidence and mainly I want to be a role model for my kids and I just want to change I needed to change and instead of you know I, I actually I don't know how to solve the problem so I thought let's just have lunch with strangers because I couldn't talk to people so if I force myself to do it a hundred times then I should be fine <laughs> That is such an interesting way to approach what you saw as a problem in your life. So you said I was too shy. I couldn't continue that way being too shy. So what I'm going to do is solve this problem by having lunch with a hundred strangers. That's kind of like if you're afraid of heights, that's like saying, I'm going to go and free climb up the sheer face of a really steep cliff. And do you have a history in your life of solving problems in a kind of a dramatic way? I don't know, but I'm a problem solver, I think. <laughs> and I like to think outside the box and just, you know, when I see a problem, I, I really want to solve the problem and whatever it takes. 
All right. So you came up with this really cool idea of having lunch with a hundred strangers. Did you give give yourself a time frame, by the way, when you decided it was going to be a hundred? What time frame did you have in mind? Uh, one year. A year. All right. So that's pretty. That's that's not bad. So yeah. Well, you had to do two a week with not many weeks off. So the maths is pretty easy on that. How did you go about getting your first few strangers? Because I know from starting a podcast about five years ago. It was those first few guests that were really hard because I had no concept to sell them. I just had this kind of, after I had a few podcasts on air and I was able to point people to them and say who I'd had on before, it became a lot easier to get people on the podcast. And then once my podcast was established, people start coming to me. And now I don't go looking for anyone, really. They almost always come to me. Was the pattern of finding strangers similar to that? Absolutely. It's almost identical. When I first started, I just sent a whole bunch of messages on LinkedIn. And I'd say 90% or even more people rejected me or ignored me and say, no, thank really? you. Because I, it was just understandable because they've never had any invitations like that before. They worry that I could be one of those salespeople just to try to sell them, I don't know. Something. Network marketing yeah. or something. Yeah. That's so, some of my guests told me after, actually. Oh, they thought, I, I thought <laughs> um, you were a networking but person. But then, like, they said that. They, yeah, and then, like yeah. you said, slowly people start to don't know what I'm doing, and now people invite me out for lunch. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> they want to be part of it because it has a little bit of momentum behind it. So, did you? You said that you look, went looking on LinkedIn initially to find people. What kind of people were you looking for? Were you literally just willing to have a conversation with anyone, or were, was there something that you had in mind right at the beginning? that you wanted to get out of it. So you were tailoring your searches to certain types of people. I wasn't born here. I was born in Hong Kong. So I'm an immigrant to Australia. So my biggest struggle is that I couldn't talk to anyone that's non-Asian background, like almost anyone that looks different to me or from different cultural background. I just couldn't. Now, when I even when I say it out, I feel silly saying that because <laughs> why does that even matter? But that's just some silly thing that in my head that I just don't know why I just couldn't so when I first started I just want to find someone that's different to me like culturally different or background different or industry different age different so just different type of people and so who who were those people at first were you you were looking for what older people you were looking for people who were white you were looking for people who had already established themselves as a professional was was that the kind of thing you were you were chasing to be honest, but when I first started, I really wasn't that fussy. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just looking for someone who's got maybe lots of connections on LinkedIn and who's a little bit interesting, maybe open for connections. You know, usually small business owners or those people are pretty open for networking and meeting new people. So I had a lot, you know, a few lunches with them. And then after that, slowly I become a little bit more fussy and I like to look at their LinkedIn profile, stalk them a little bit and see what achievement they've had or some interesting things that they've done um, before I send up that invitation. <laughs> uh, you, could, you could afford to get a bit fussy. Hey, when you first started that, that process, you said you had quite a few rejections. I think you might have even said 80 or 90% of people just ignored you or said no. Did you refine your sales pitch? Because- it, You've, of course, you are selling something. I mean, you don't want money from them. You don't want anything from them, but you're selling the idea to them to just come and have lunch with me as a almost a 
skill building activity for me and a network building activity for, for me, did you refine the way you sold that to them in the initial contact that you made? Absolutely. Like when I first started, I sent very, very lengthy invitation message. I think most people just don't want to read it because it looks like yeah. a sales pitch, maybe. I don't know. But as I start to do more, I share my lunches online on LinkedIn, share the, sharing the pictures so people know that's something. So I shorten my message and instead I include links to you know those posts and it massively helped with the conversion rate in the sales term. <laughs> yeah. And like I like my example, that's exactly what happens. I mean, you were able to post on LinkedIn your lunches with other people. So your new prospects could see that that's what you were really doing. There was a little bit of momentum. There was a little bit of, I don't know, attention to it. It just makes it easier for you to get the next catch. I can totally imagine how that journey was for you. I've got a question coming up, and this is the only question that even borderlines on negative in your wonderfully positive story. Tell me about the response that you had largely from women, especially in the, those early approaches that you made. I had very polar responses from women, to be honest. When I first started, I didn't even look at, you know, is it a male or female? I just sent almost equal amount of invitations to both males and female. And interestingly, I had a lot of males saying yes compared to women. <laughs> and I remember I had three yeses from women and somehow they just didn't go ahead for some reason, like, you know, rescheduled or something. And it was a little bit discouraging, but which I can understand from women's perspective, like there's some random strangers asking me out for lunch. I'll be a little bit more hesitant and protective for myself. And then after that, I started to share a little bit more, you know, about that because I had people asking me and I don't know. Like I said, I've had a few women that's extremely supportive and go, oh, yeah, you know, go girl. And then I introduce a lot more women for you to have lunch with and become super supportive and will become best friends. And at the same time, I had other women that just go, why are you having lunch with so many men? I'm like, uh, I don't know how to answer that. Like, <laughs> they just go, do you have like other motives or something? I'm happily married with two kids. That's usually my response. <laughs> So how did that, I mean, because you could say, well, objectively, you don't know that person. They are giving you criticism that is way off the mark. They're giving you criticism that shows they don't understand what you're trying to achieve. But regardless of all those objective and rational points, it's still possible for those kind of online messages to affect you personally. Did it affect you personally? I'll be lying if I say no. <laughs> Especially when I first receiving them, I was just in complete shock. Like there are a few people even send me hate emails. I'm like, wow, hate emails. Like I didn't expect to receive you know, those messages, but that's okay because and I just focus. I know what I'm doing, so I don't even need to explain to them why or what. I just say thank you for your message and just move on because it doesn't even make sense. Like, you know, I remember receiving a message from a lady. She said, why you ask men out? Are you have, you know, other motives? And I go, I just invited you out for lunch and you're a lady and you ask me why I don't ask females. That just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make anyway. sense. There's nothing rational about that. Wow. Well, I'm sorry that that was part of your experience because from everything I've read in your book and in other bits of media that I've seen you in, it was such a, a pure endeavor. It was a, an endeavor of your own personal growth 
done with a smile and done with everything positive about it, it's such a shame that with that has to come, as you say, hate emails, but it doesn't surprise me in any way. I'm just glad that the overwhelming experience for you was positive and that's what comes through in your book and the way that you speak about it. All right, now let's get on to some of the lessons that you've learned. This is a wonderful pursuit of growth and you would have learned some great lessons through this experience. Tell me about the concept of stranger. What does the concept of stranger mean to you and how has it changed through this experience? When I first started, strangers were so scary. <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking. And in particular, from you know an immigrant perspective where English is not my first language, I kept feeling that they're secretly judging me. Like whenever I make a grammatical mistake, I just thought they think that I'm stupid or something, you know. And that's probably one of the reasons why I didn't want to talk to them. I'm just afraid of judgments and yeah, and I just want to close myself as in living in my little bubble just to to protect myself in some way. But now I think strangers are awesome. Like without strangers, I there's no way that I can be who I am and where I am today. <laughs> And strangers are just friends that you haven't met yet, I think. There are so many people that I had lunch with became really, really good friends of mine. And I don't know, and we helped each other so much in the last few months. And I just love meeting people. And people are just so interesting. So many interesting stories. I feel like my world really become much, much, much bigger. Like from a small world where everyone around me just almost identical to realize the world is much, much bigger and has a lot more to offer. And I don't know, we only live once. I just want to see the bigger world. <laughs> oh, there's some really nice ideas in there. Whether it's a half-day energizer session or a comprehensive team and leadership program, Team Guru's unique approach could be just what the doctor ordered for your organization. Hey, you talked about some amazing stories that your lunch partners told you. Are there any that really stand out, things that really knocked your socks off when you learned some things about people or what they'd done or how they think about the world? So many. Where do I start? I had lunch with a four-time Australian memory champion, and what surprises me was that he has shocking memory when he was young. <laughs> Wow. So he had no better memory than you or me. And, and then he just became a memory champion and memorized all those long random numbers and deck of cards or something, which is fascinating. I think if I had to pick one of the most, you know, surprising moments, it would be how humble and nice those really successful people are because I've never had lunches, not even lunches. I don't, I haven't even met any of those super successful people in my life. The only way that I came in touch with them was through, you know, movies or TVs. And they always paint a bad picture on those CEOs of big companies for some reason. They go, oh, they're arrogant and not nice and talk rudely to people. I don't know. That's my impression. Could be completely wrong. And then I had a few lunches with really, really successful people, including a couple of billionaires. And how nice they were really surprised me. They just want to help and their time was so valuable, but they spent a long time just chatting with me and encouraged me to do more and sharing their stories, talking to me like, you know, one of their friends and talking about their families, their life, their their childhood and just I don't know, my mind just blown by how nice they are. <laughs> and then I realized that 
they, you know, I think I asked one person particularly, he's extremely, extremely successful. He's a, you know, CEO of a listed company. I asked, why would that be the case? Like, why are you so nice? That's like, that's my question. And then he said, you know, to be successful, like you can be somewhat successful, but if you want to be the top, you can't get there by yourself. Doesn't matter how smart you are, you can be the smartest person in the world. You still need a team of people to help you to achieve those big, big, big goals. And in order for other people to help you, you've got to be a nice person. You need to be humble. You need to be, you know, nice to your team. And I thought, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, very nice. All right. Now, what about you and the art of having a good conversation? If you were to write a little rule book, maybe your Kaylee's three or five or seven rules about having a good conversation, rules that you've learned through the experience that you had with your lunches with strangers, what would some of those rules be? The first rule would be just be yourself and be real because people are smarter than, you know, people are very smart. A lot of people say fake it till you bake it, but I think people are just nice and not tell you that, hey, I can tell what you're trying to do. So that's no point. Just be open and honest. Especially for me, when I hear something that I didn't understand, I just go, what does that mean? And, you know, what does that word even mean? Like sometimes I don't even understand some of the English words. And and people appreciate that. They don't think, maybe they think that I'm stupid, but I don't know. But mostly they appreciate me trying to understand what they're trying to say. And that makes the conversation better. And the other thing, I think one thing that's really important is that dig deep. That really, really helps because you can have a long, a long conversation, but just touch on the super superficial questions or answers that goes nowhere, like how's the weather or, you know, how many siblings you've got. And that really mean not much. But what I learned is that if you want to build a deep connection, ask deeper questions. So when someone tells you something, you ask deeper and, you know, keep asking, why would that be the case? And how did you feel at that time? Why would you make that decision? And what happened at that time? You know, just keep asking about that one story that you want to know more. And that way, you just build a deeper connection. That's fantastic. I was going to ask you, actually, you know, if you were to create a pie chart of your conversations with individuals, how much of that pie chart would be filled with chit chat? Just kind of like, oh, nice to see you. Yes, you've chosen a nice restaurant. I'm so glad you made it Wednesday. Sorry, I couldn't make it last Thursday. You know, that kind of chit-chat that always comes when you've organized a date or a, a meeting with someone. How much of it is that? And how much of it is kind of getting to know them on a on a personal level and then into the kind of deep stuff, the stuff that you you don't just talk about casually it's because you're involved in a really high quality conversation. I, I was interested in what that pie chart might look like. I think it varies from people. Some people are harder mm. to open up and others just like an open book and tell you whatever you ask. But my goal is always try to get there as quickly as I can because that's the whole point for having lunch with a stranger is to understand each other and build a connection. So I always almost always start with the lunch with thank you so much for coming to have lunch with me but that's the only thing that's planned anything after that is unplanned and unscheduled so I just let the guests talk whatever subject that they want to talk ask me whatever question that they've got and I'll just let them lead the topic and whatever they're interested to talk about I let them talk and ask questions and you know get to know about them more better 
And did you learn some really useful strategies to take conversations at a deeper level? You weren't there to have chit chat. You were there to get to know this stranger and, and have a meaningful conversation. I'm guessing through your hundred plus lunches, I know it's gone well beyond the hundred now. Did you get better at at finding ways in that made most people feel comfortable and got them to open up quickly? I think so, because I think people can feel how I feel. And the main reason I was there was to learn. Like I really sit there and to learn and I ask them for advice. What do you think? How do you think I should do it? Or can you give me some, well, I don't know, it depends on what they're good at. Oh, t- teach me how to memorize things. Or can you teach me how to do sales? I don't know. Like, they can feel that I am there to learn and I never judge them. doesn't matter what they tell me. I just try to understand them from their perspective. So they're just very happy to share. And the more they talk, then the better the conversation becomes. <laughs> that was you've, you've anticipated my questions very well. You've obviously done a lot of this media thing. I was going to ask you about the goals that you had going into a conversation. If you had trolled someone on LinkedIn and you kind of admitted to doing that. You knew what their skill set was. You knew what their their history, their work history, their achievements were. And you know what you want out of life and out of your career and out of your skills. Did you go along to this conversation thinking, okay, with this person who has this background and this experience, I'm going to really explicitly try and get this information out of them, this piece of knowledge? Sometimes I try, but other times I just let the conversation flow because it's kind of boring to talk about work all the time or what they're mm. really good at. But as long as they're you know, nice people, smart people, usually we'll have very good conversation. And we, we just never know where the conversation goes. Like one of my best story that I think I shared that on my TEDx talk as well. I went to have lunch with the CEO of a listed company and I actually took my notepad with me on that day hoping that I'm going to get some business advice or you know, some good advice from him because he's so smart and so successful. But turns out that he had a huge fight with his girlfriend the day before. <laughs> so instead of me asking him for business advice, he was asking me for relationship advice. And <laughs> trust me, like he actually literally took his phone out and go to the, um, the notes app and wrote down what I told him. So instead of me taking notes from him, he took notes he from me. He was taking notes. Oh, now, how did you feel about that? I felt so honoured and felt so you know, <laughs> so good. And I'm like, I'm teaching him something. <laughs> and we actually became good friends and he got back with his, his girlfriend. They even invited me to to their wedding, which is overseas. Oh, I wow. couldn't go anyway, but it's just a beautiful story. <laughs> that is a nice story. Hey, what about any conversations or lunches that you were really happy to get out of? Were there some that just didn't work out, You people you didn't gel with, there was nothing to talk about and it was uncomfortable? I think that's the beauty of lunch. Like, you know, when when the lunch is terrible, which didn't happen. I think maybe just one or two out of the 250-something lunch that I've had, maybe one or two that wasn't that great. Then you can just, you know, in and out in half an hour and finish lunch quickly. And the ones that so good, you can have coffees and desserts and another wine after, you know. The longest lunch I had was four and a half hours. <laughs> wow. Um, we just didn't want to go. What was special about that one? I remember that was a lady. We had absolutely nothing in common. Like if we, we both went to a party, there's no way we'll pick each other to talk because we literally have nothing in common. But then we just somehow clicked and talked nonstop on that day, which is really cool. 
Back to your question. It's a wonderful experience. Yeah. <laughs> if there's any quest, I mean, any lunches that I would be happy to get out of, I think there's just one in my head that I can remember. He was trying to sell me network marketing. <laughs> oh no! Anyway, let's not go there. <laughs> he saw you as a target. You should name and shame him right here. No, don't, uh, don't do but that. <laughs> by saying that, honestly, I actually learned something from him because he. Despite me saying no a couple of times, he insisted and pushed and pushed and he even took out his computer and showed me a PowerPoint presentation. And Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I just I didn't feel good, but that presentation was interesting, so I did learn something from him, I guess. <laughs> anyway. Wow. No, no. Don't, please, please don't use this excuse to sell because that just ruined the whole spirit of 100 lunches. Please don't do that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, hey, oh, oh, the most obvious question in the world, who was your 100th lunch and did you plan it? Did you, you obviously knew your 100th was coming up because that was the goal. You were, you would have been counting them. When you got close, did it kind of matter to you who that 100th was? I didn't really, really plan it, but it turns out to be great because his name is Ray and he's very, very successful. And I learned a lot from him. And to be very interesting, because when I had the book launch, he came and supported me. and. At my book launch, I said I want to help raise funds for those people in the third world country to restore their sight. And, you know, the cataract surgery, which cost $34 per surgery. And because he was the 100th lunch guest, he actually um, donated 100 surgeries on the day for me, which, you know, just super grateful. (laughs) Wow, that is amazing. Hey, do you think that this experience has, it's obviously taught you a lot of things but has it fundamentally changed you? I mean, you started this journey knowing you were an introvert, knowing that you really had a lot of challenges speaking to people outside of your direct call. Has this experience changed who you are as a person? I don't know if it changed me, but I definitely feel different. Instead of changing me, I think it just let me become who I really am because Before the experiment or the experience or the journey, I feel like I'm wearing so many masks and have a lot of unnecessary self-limiting belief that I believe, oh, because I'm an immigrant, then I can't have a great career. I have a glass ceiling and because I'm a woman, I can't do this, I can't do that. And I don't know, and I just didn't want to do things and living in my little bubble. And now I feel like I'm totally unstoppable. Whenever that's some new experiences or something, I just go, yeah, why not just go for it and try new things? And instead of saying why, I ask why not and just, you know, keep going. And that really, really, really feels good. <laughs> no, that's very positive. All right. Now, I only have a couple of more questions for you. This one is I read something in your book, which, and I read your book a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago. And this one has popped into my head about 50 times since I read your book. I don't remember who gave you this advice, but you wrote about it in your book. It was, weak people seek revenge, strong people forgive, and smart people ignore. I love that. That to me was just so powerful and smart. And I was able to memorize it as well, which is always a lovely bonus when you think about the lunches that you've had and the the little kind of lessons that you can bundle up into a phrase like that, which one stands out to you? Which one stands out to me? Wow, I don't know. Just so many. I think 
this one lunch, actually a lot of them, just taught me the importance of love and family. Doesn't matter how successful you are, doesn't matter who you are. At the end of the day, it's really the family or the people that you love really matters. You know, I remember there's a you know someone I had lunch with. He's very successful, making a lot of money, but doesn't matter what he does. He insists to pick up his daughter every single day and spend good quality time with her and, you know, talk to her, have dinner with her, tuck her to bed. And this is his commitment to his daughter. It's just because, you know, it's, it's all about family and love. If, I don't know, like in Chinese, there's a saying, I don't know what's, I don't know, I don't think there's a direct translation, but what it means is that you have to look after yourself first and then you look after your family, then after that you can, you know, manage a country, then you can dominate the world. But before that, you can't, you can't like, you know, you have to, I don't know, just family, so important. It's like the, the nucleus of success. All right, last question, Kaylee. where's this all heading? You've, you've clocked up 250 lunches. You're well and truly past the goal that you had of 100 lunches. Are you going to keep doing this forever? What's the plan? I have no plans to stop having lunch with strangers, but that's not my goal because there's no point counting anymore. Like what's the difference? 500, 1,000, you know, it's just doesn't matter anymore. But what I really want to do is have other people doing the 100 lunches because after the whole journey, I know the power for lunch with strangers and how it can change someone's life from so many different perspectives, from the confidence level, from, you know, knowing better about ourselves you know because strangers ask you a whole bunch of questions every single time just get clear about who we are what's special about us the purpose of our lives and just get directions and building the network is so important you know after 100 lunches with strangers now when I need something or I've got a question so I almost always have a couple of phone numbers on my you know on my phone that I can call and ask the question straight away so there are just so many benefits for having lunch with strangers and all we need to do is just do it because we're going to have lunch anyway and why are we sitting in front of our desk you know that's just not a great way to utilize the lunch time I think go out and have more lunch with strangers so my goal at the moment is have a hundred other people to do hundred lunches so that I can transform their lives and also their family's life that's my new goal <laughs> that is a delightful thought Kaylee Chu it has been a real pleasure to have you on the podcast Thank you so much, David. It's so nice to talk to you too. And that was Kaylee Chu. What a delight she is. I'm totally unsurprised that she's been able to talk so many people into having lunch with her and that the concept has gained so much traction. And I love her goal. It doesn't matter how many lunches she has, there's no point in counting anymore. What matters to her is spreading the word and getting a hundred other people to have lunch with a hundred strangers. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Kaylee on the Lessons Learned page for this podcast. You'll find it along with the entire back catalogue of Team Guru podcasts on our website. That's teamswithans.guru forward slash podcast. You can connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, or LinkedIn, and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the theory and principles of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for now.